Christmas time. So this is uh, going to be the 207th episode. And I'm going to do the readings for the uh, Christmas Vigil on the uh, 20, uh, December 24th. So I'm going to do start off with a reading here from St. Leo the Great from my Missal. Rejoice for a child is born for us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Dearly beloved, today our Savior is born. Let us rejoice. Sadness should have no place on the birthday of the life, the birthday of life. The fear of death has been swallowed up. Life brings us joy with the promise of eternal happiness. No one is shut out from this joy. All share the same reason for rejoicing. Our Lord, victory, our Lord's victory over sin and death, finding no one finding no one free from sin came to free us all. Christian, remember your dignity, and now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not for forget that you have been rescued from power of darkness and brought to the light of God's kingdom. St. Leo the Great. Okay, so I'm going to read. Uh, this is like a epic poem. I'm going to do this both for um, the vigil uh, reading and the midnight mass. Okay. In the, the 25th day of December, in the 5,099th year in the creation of the world from the time when God created the heavens and the earth, the 2,957th year after the flood, the 2,000 15th year from the birth of Abraham, the 1510th year from Moses and going forth of the people of Israel out of Egypt, the 1032nd year from the from David being anointed king, in the 65th week according to the prophecy of Daniel, and 194th Olympiad, and the 752nd year from the foundation of the city of Rome, the 42nd year in the reign of Octavius Augustus, the whole world being at peace in the sixth age of the world, Jesus Christ, the eternal God and the son of the eternal father, willing to consecrate the world by, by merciful, by, by his merciful coming and being conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, nine months having passed since his conception, was born in Bethlehem in Judea of the Virgin Mary, being made man, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the flesh. It's beautiful. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever virgin, all the angels and saints and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to, 
to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Entrance Antiphon from Exodus, chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Today you will know that the Lord will come and he will save us, and in the morning you will see his glory. O God, who gladden us year by year as we wait in hope for our redemption, grant that just as we joyfully welcome your only begotten Son, our Redeemer, we may also merit to face him confidently when he comes again as our judge, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Okay, the first reading, Isaiah 62, verse 1 to 5. The Lord delights in you. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her vindication shines forth like the dawn, and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication, and all the, all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal didium held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 89 Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. Forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Blessed the people who know the joyful, sh the joyful shout in the light of your countenance. O Lord, they walk at your name. They rejoice all the day and through your justice they are exalted. 
forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. He shall say of me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. Forever I will maintain my kindness toward him and my covenant with him stands firm. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. One more time. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my covenant, my servant. Forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Bless, bless the people who know the joyful shout. In the light of your countenance, O Lord, they walk. At your name they rejoice all the day. And through your justice they are exalted. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. He shall say of me, you are my father, my God, the rock, the rock, my savior. Forever I will maintain my kindness toward him and my covenant with him stands firm. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Okay, Acts. A reading from the book of Acts of the Apostles. Paul bears witness to Christ to Christ, the son of David. Acts chapter 13, verse 16 to 17, 22 to 25. When Paul reached Antioch in Pisidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up, motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you others who are God-fearing, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Then he removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him, he testified, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, he brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one who is coming after me. I'm not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. Okay, one more time, a reading from the book of, of the Acts of the Apostles. When Paul reached Antioch in Pisidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you others who are God-fearing, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he held them out. He, he led them out of it, then removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, alleluia. Tomorrow, the wickedness of the earth will be destroyed. The Savior of the world will reign over us. Alleluia, alleluia. Tomorrow, the wickedness of the earth will be destroyed. The Savior of the world will reign over us. Alleluia, alleluia. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 25. And, well, there's also, I guess, a longer version, 18, or shorter version, 18 to 25, actually. We're going to do the long form. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amanadab. Amanadab became the father of Nahashan, Nahashan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obit, whose mother was Ruth. Obit became the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rohabam. Rohabam became the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat became the father of Jerome. Jerome, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jehoadam. Jehoadam, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Yohaniah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Yohaniah became the father of Shelatel. Shelatel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Obayad. Obayad became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azur, Azur the father of Zadok, Zadok became the father of Achaim, Achaim the father of Aliud, Aliud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer became the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus who is called the Christ. Thus the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child had been conceived in her. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The first reading, which is from Isaiah, is a call back to remember that a covenant between God and Israel is a marriage. It's literally a marriage. And this is something we have to remember that our baptism, our confirmation, and whenever we receive Holy Communion, all right, is a marriage. Isaiah, um, here, like it, the title of it is The Lord Delights in You. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her vindication shines forth like the dawn and her victory like a burning torch. Now, ancient Israel was married to God. The covenant that God made with them, especially in many ways, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. All right, really, we should go back to the Garden of Eden because I really think there's no other way to understand this for us but back to the Garden of Eden. You have a man and you have a woman. Surprise, surprise, right? God created Adam in his image and in his likeness. God wanted to express himself through a material world and he created a person. God is a person. The Trinity is a union, a person, a perfection within God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then he also created woman out of the rib of the man, a person from a person. He didn't create Eve from the soil. That would have been the natural um, that's our, that's, that's a very natural concept what we would do, right? If you got, if you're a God, if I'm God, why not just create two people from the soil, from the dust of the earth? He doesn't do that. That's the way people who want to play God think, right? No, what he does is he brings up forth a person from a person, a life from a life. There has to be more deeper unity. If the, the two were created individually out of the dust of the earth, out of the soil, there would be no unity with them. There would be no um, desire to be together, right? So here we have God is saying, um, going on from there, nations shall behold your vindication and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be glorious, crowned in the hand of the Lord, a royal didium held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate. 
but you shall be you shall be called my delight and your land espoused. Now this is the part that's very interesting. Adam and Eve. Eve came from Adam. And interesting, he created Eve out of the rib of the Adam. And therefore, she, she, who is called woman, is supposed to be held dearly, loved dearly, desired, and cherished dearly. A person from a person. Now here, what is this? Why does he call the land or the so or the soil the land? Um, why you know? In a sense, here it goes on. You should be not. You should not be forsaken, or or your land desolate. You, but you shall be called my delight, and your land espoused. When they fell, God promised. And God even told the serpent there shall be animosity between you and the woman. Between, you know, her seed and your seed. Now, according to um, the author, I can't remember his name right now, of the, um, the Lord. It's a beautiful reflection book. Very similar to Fulton Sheen's, but more, more different. Not as a historical, not a historical narrative, but definitely uh, of a, a great book to read. He referred to Mary, I remember, as the soil around the tree. Of the okay, Mary received the word of the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, in her heart as the seed which is the word of God. She is the soil, the immaculate soil in the garden. She is the true garden with the immaculate soil where Adam failed, Eve failed, Mary and Jesus fixed it. Eve came out of the old Adam. The new Adam comes out of the Eve, not like a rib, but, but still, Still, the new Adam comes from Eve and she is the immaculate soil and the tree that comes out of her, the tree of life, is Jesus. And so God, God is going to marry the soil. Now also, Israel is a picture of the church. Ancient Israel, a nation, a nation that didn't have an easy relationship with God, but it's a picture of the church. The church is the new Israel. And all of us are, are members of it. But if we have a struggle with faith and everything, it's because we really need to value our relationship. Each one of us is married married the a covenant the the baptism the confirmation the um the 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 confirmation the 
Every time we receive Holy Communion, we should look at it as always renewing our vows and cherishing whenever we receive the body and blood of the Lord in us. Every time we go and we we confess our sins. You know, the Jewish people used to go through a ritual washing, a mikvah. Technically, our, our confession is sort of a ritual washing, a purification, not physical, but spiritual. But in a sense that we confess our sins, we are cleansing ourselves. When the priest announces the um, the the um, absolution prayer, you and I should always see it as we are purifying ourselves. And we should take it seriously when we say our, our penance, that's also re renewing our vows. Every year the church has us goes through this. We go through we go through this uh where we we renounce Satan, we renounce his empty promises, we renew our baptismal vows. It's like a mikvah. It's a a you know a ritual washing. It doesn't it doesn't mean our our baptism is absolute. No. It just is a way for us to strengthen our faith and strengthen us, strengthen our weary, our, our weary life that we go through. We go through the challenges and we have to go through constant conflict and, and, and we have to go through every single problem with work, with challenges of life, with paying the bills, with dealing with uh, um, constant conflicts and everything. This is why we need a strong prayer life. So, um, see, as a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. And then we have Psalm 89, where, again, it's going back to remembering the promises made with um with David, David, who uh, God made a covenant with him. Again, he he makes a covenant. He goes with Adam and Eve, a husband and wife, then a family in the ark with Noah and his family, then with Abraham, and then with again the covenant is made with Jacob and his family, then Moses and the Israelites, then David, a royal covenant hood. So now he's. He's reminding us, the psalm is reminding us that God narrowed it down to David's line. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. So, yeah, this one here is it's a callback to remind people, to remind them of God's promise. God's promise, obviously, it may not, I don't think it was written by David, but it was probably a a post-exile psalm, most likely, uh, or a psalm written uh, after the breakup of the um, the kingdom of Israel, Judah and Israel, 
most likely then, probably, and a callback to remind people that God made a covenant with David and that the promised Messiah um, would, would come from him. Um, I have sworn to David, my servant, forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. Bless the people who know the joyful shout in the light of your countenance, O Lord. They walk at your, at your name. They rejoice all the day and through your justice, they are exalted. He, he shall say of me, you are my father, my God, the rock of the rock, my savior forever. I will maintain my kindness toward him and my covenant with him stands firm. This is to remind people. Okay, and we're going to see this here now. We'll go into the book of Acts, chapter 13, uh, verse 16 to 17 and 22 to 25. When Paul reached Antioch in Pisidia and entered the synagogue, he stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites, I like the part motion with his hand. He's obviously, it's, it you know, to get people's attention. Uh, there's a way of talking and kind of like a, a little sort of like decorum, I guess you could say, not performance, but decorum. Fellow Israelites and you others who are God-fearing, listen, the God-fearing are the Gentiles, the Gentiles who are interest, interested in Judaism, but haven't conf, converted to Judaism. They, they like the the writings, they like the prophets, they like the the belief of God and the belief in one God and the morality and uh, the the um, the decency of Judaism, you know, the, this is this shows you because that means that the scriptures are being read in Greek. Okay, that they're being read in Greek. It's the Subduagent. <clears throat> the God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arms, he led them out of it, the Exodus. Then he, re then he removed Saul and raised up David as king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. John herald, heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. Why would he mention John the Baptist and this part? I mean, I think the speech was a lot longer than this. I think the it was a lot longer and Luke was giving us a more edited version of it. <clears throat> it had to, had to have been a lot longer than this because there was so much that happened with Israel. I think it's because remember John's disciples, the disciples of John were not very happy that John was not the Messiah and they were not happy that this Jesus was overshadowing John and John himself tried to tell his disciples, I am not the Christ, but they refused to believe that about him. And I think some of John's, um, there might've been some corruption, not the, of John, but maybe among his 
followers, some of them who um, used the image, exploited the image of John in order to create their own following, their own cult. This is what possibly could have happened. And you, and told everybody that John is supposed to be the Messiah, not this Jesus of Nazareth. And, you know, and it sort of created a, um, a competition uh, to keep, to, you know, that way to keep the movement alive. There might have been some zealots. Actually, it might have been those who were zealots. And, and so Paul here is talking to this um, uh, synagogue in Pisidia of Antioch region of Antioch to tell them that Jesus is uh, the savior heralded, you know, he, you know, but promised through the line of David and John himself testified that this Jesus is like he says here, I am not he behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. We've heard this mentioned in several places in the Gospels. So you see the promise that was made to David. John the Baptist is not a descendant of David. Jesus of Nazareth, all right, through his mother and his father, father Joseph, legally, his foster father Joseph took him legally through marriage, even though he was not biologically his father, is a descendant of David. But he also has uh, priestly blood in him through his mother being cousin to Elizabeth, which I believe makes, you know, makes him also the true high priest. Now we go to the gospel and here we have Matthew. A lot of people don't like genealogies, but if people would read their Bible more often, they would understand what the genealogy here is. Matthew, uh, Design his genealogy to represent um, three sets of 14 generations. Uh, but first, let's look at the beginning of it. In the beginning, he starts with Abraham, which God made a covenant. But here in the start of it, he says, son of David, son of Abraham. Notice he put David first. He's going sort of like backwards a little bit. It's not like saying David is more important than Abraham, but he was simply saying Basically, in some translations, it would start with very similar to Genesis, the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Some translations have, I prefer that because it's a callback to Genesis and also it fits right into the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word. And then Matthew, uh, Mark begins the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And here he has son of David, son of Abraham, uh, the messianic line, kingly line through David. And David is a descendant of Abraham, as all Jews are. Then he begins, Abraham begot Isaac, right? And then he, and you go through here, Isaac, Jacob, Ju Judah. But then here he mentions he has four women woven in, in the beginning. He has uh, Tamar. Tamar, uh, a Canaanite woman, uh, she's not of uh, of the Jewish line, a foreigner, um, one of the one of the Canaanite tribes of Canaan. Um, she was promised 
Judah promised her. She married one of Judah's sons. He died. The second one also did an, uh, an unholy act. He died. Then he, uh, this is called the leveret marriage where a, a, a brother has to step in to father a child for, uh, so to keep his brother's memory alive. So he had a third son, but he didn't keep his promise and she knew he wasn't going to keep his promise. So she dressed up as a sacred prostitute, a canine prostitute and, um, tricked him, tricked Judah, her father-in-law to have intercourse with her. And in order to keep, he wanted to pay her. She took some important objects from him his, that, that represented his identity, his belt and his staff. And when he tried to send a payment, I guess a goat or a lamb, she wasn't there. Later on, when he found out she was pregnant, he sought it as a, just an opportunity to get rid of her, to put her on trial and burn her at the stake. When she showed that he was the man that fathered the child, he gave in and she gave birth to two boys, Perez, and uh, and Zariah, Zariah. Uh, so they uh, Perez uh, became an ancestor of Hezron, and he's an ancestor of Jesus, the father of you know, um, basically, Judah is the father. So father, uh, Judah, Perez, and then it goes into Zariah, and then it goes um, to Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab, and Amadab became the father of Meshan. And it goes on to Salmon, and he was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. This is the time of Joshua, when they were taking Canaan. So he has, Jesus has another grandmother in his family tree that was from Jericho, another Canaanite. Uh, but it was, there were many different Canaanite tribes but not all of them saw themselves as the same. They were like different tribes and different nations. Then uh, Boaz became the father of Obed. All right. Um, Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So Boaz married Ruth. Mo Ru Ru Ruth was a Moabitess. Who were the Moabites? You go back again to the time of Abraham. You remember Lot. Lot who went into... who. Um, Abraham's cousin or nephew went and stayed in Sodom and Gomorrah. When Lot and his family were told by angels to, that God is going to destroy the city, they fled and Lot's wife looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt. Lot's daughters in the cave, in the mountain, they, th they decided to um, get their father intoxicated and both girls laid with their father, had intercourse with their father, incest. The father not knowing about it, they thought there was going to be no more people in the world and there were no men for them. His daughters were already corrupted by, um, by being in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were already more immorally corrupted. And so it was probably some kind of ritual, most likely. Uh, some kind of uh, horrible uh, fertility ritual. They probably, their father didn't realize he was being put through. And so one of them became, uh, one of them uh, gave birth to Moab. And the other one was some other 
uh, uh, nation. So Ruth came out of the Moabites, which is the, uh, a, a nation that was condemned because of how they were fathered. But Ruth made it into Israel. She was Naomi's daughter-in-law, and she gave birth to Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. So Ruth is David is David's grandmother. Then David became the father of Solomon. Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. Solomon, uh, David committed adultery and murdered her, her, her husband. He had sent him to the front lines to be put to, uh, to be abandoned and he was killed. And that's how um, Solomon was born. So Matthew puts in these four women, four women, scandalous women, and why? Because they were saying bad things about Jesus and his mother. They were, they were saying very disrespectful. The opponents of Jesus were saying disrespectful things, saying that he was born under suspicious circumstances. And Matthew is saying, so you discredit him because of what you believe to be suspicious circumstances. Well, let's look back at, at the family tree. Let's look at David, David with Bathsheba. Let's look at uh, David's grandmother, Ruth. And then let's look at the other ancestor of uh, grandmother of David, Rahab the harlot. And then let's look at the other woman in the family tree, uh, Tamar. So these four women, four women, right? And you got Mary right? His mother. So you got these four women in the family tree. They kind of represent the four gospels that will go out to the Gentiles. Mary is a daughter of Israel. So in a sense, it almost fulfills the five books of Moses. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like the covenant of the five books of Moses, plus these four women, you, can, you know, who are, who are represents the four gospels that will go out to the nations. Four and one make five, the five books, the Torah, the Torah, basically, it fits in. And this, and then it goes down, of course, we know there's a whole bunch, and it goes down, it breaks up into, um, then he goes here, he says it here, um, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14. Seven and seven make 14. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. Okay, so you have uh, how many sets of seven here? So you got Abraham to David, that's two sets of seven, make up 14. And from David to, to the Babylonian exile, two sets of seven, make 14. And from Babylonian exile to Christ, two sets of seven, make 14. So you have three sets of 14 generations, kind of like the Trinity here, right? The Trinity. And it's so like through, uh, six, six sevens and add up to uh, th three sets of 14. It's almost like the man, the symbol of man made on the sixth day. And then you have the next day, which is the seventh day, which is the uh, the covenant, the day of rest. And then you have 
six, set, six sets of seven and three sets of 14. It's interesting how he, he kind of plays with it there. So the covenant, because remember, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Jesus came to set up the true Sabbath, which is the redemption and the day of the resurrection. It's, you know, it's very interesting when you look at it because the number seven is a very sacred number. It's a some number of completion. And David, David, his name, which means beloved, but the, but the letters in David's name add up to 14. Add up to 14 in Israelite mathematics because the name, the, they don't they didn't have numbers, but they use letters as numbers like the way the Romans did. It's very interesting. So then he mentions, he goes into Joseph. And Jesus is the true um, seven. All right. In a sense, because now from him, after those pretty much six uh, sects of seven, he begins the seventh generation, which is the seventh the, the coming of the Son of Man. It's very interesting because in a sense, there's a lot of people who do the numerology, but they do it a little bit more carefully. I would be very careful of it because I remember someone by the name of Harold Camping, this evangelical uh, pastor of family radio, and he went a little too far, but he tried to predict the end of the world and he just kept on pushing the the, the finishing line further away. And now, sadly, that station is just, it's not the same as it used to be. And even there was a Protestant station, but it was really, it was really kind of sad because a lot of people gave their money and everything, but let's not digress. But now we go into the birth of Jesus and Matthew begins, like, Matthew begins this way. Now this is the birth of Jesus Christ came about when his mother, Mary was betrothed to Joseph but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Notice how Matthew doesn't waste any time. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child had been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had, had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and, be, and he named him Jesus. Now, I've always said this. It doesn't say that Joseph, Matthew doesn't say that Joseph thinks she committed adultery or had, you know, like wayward behavior or anything like that, or she was sexually assaulted. I believe Joseph believed her when she told him that the child was of the Holy Spirit, that the child is going to be the Messiah. I believe, like I said, I don't, I don't believe that. I think this is something what modern people have to put in because we're such a sexually obsessed, obsessed world. But Joseph believed her 
that she truly, because she's not, she's not the kind of person that would give guile. It doesn't mention her parents either. But I believe they believed her. And I believe Joseph believed her. But Joseph didn't know what his part was going to be in it. Did he have a place in it? And it was too frightening for him because maybe God, maybe God doesn't want him to have a part in it. And then he, he never went ahead and filed a, a divorce, never did that. But he, he must have like really pondered it almost to the point of praying about it. And then the angel came to him and told him what to do. Not to be afraid. It's, I think we really have to change our attitude about that. I think letting people <clears throat> hijack the story and make Joseph as though he, he thought maybe was, Mary was, was, had a lover or uh, committed an act of uncleanliness where she, she had a boyfriend on the side. That's, that's, that's our modern interpretation of the matter. It doesn't say that in the text. It doesn't say that. It doesn't tell us really what Joseph thought, but only that he wanted to divorce her quietly. Now, if he was really like a real angry guy, he would have made a public example of her. You know, if a guy has that kind of pride, you know, some men would. I mean, I just saw the movie The Duel. Um, it's it's very violent picture and, and and it's it's not pretty, but it shows these these medieval men and their vanity in becoming warriors and their their attitude about women and you know uh, all kinds of stuff. It's very sad. It's very sad, and sadly, even the church was was not exposed was, was not uh, immune to the culture of the time you know of the attitude of towards women because you know the a lot of these kings and these these uh, bishops were subject and a lot of them were related to these families and so the church became sort of like uh an instrument to to abuse and take power you know as as this happened it's not it's not impossible but these things happen the same thing in ancient israel where the temple you know, the temple priesthood was subject to the whims of the culture unfortunately it's um it's very um it's you know it's it's sad that that we have a culture like that but joseph was a righteous man, a just man. Um, and Matthew says it, he was a righteous man. He was a godly man. And he didn't think this thought about Mary. He didn't think that she was a, a wayward young girl who had a secret lover, or even the, the fact that she might have been sexually assaulted. That was not the case. And it doesn't tell us that when, when she went to see Elizabeth, it doesn't say that Joseph didn't go with her. Her parents could have made the trip with her. We don't know. Joseph most likely did make the trip with her. You know, he might have made the trip with her and he, to see for himself. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he have gone with her? It's a possibility. 
And I think, you know, I think in most cases, you know, if people were talking because she was legally his wife in every manner, according to the custom, even from the engagement to the day of the actual wedding, it might, you know, and, and her parents or her mother might have made the trip to go see Elizabeth. So, yeah, in, in, in most cases, I think this could have been. It doesn't say it, but there's no reason why she, you know, she, her parents wouldn't have gone with her or Joseph would not have gone with her. And I think the problem is, is because the gospels are silent. People think, well, if it doesn't say it, then it didn't happen. No, there's no reason why it wouldn't have happened. Why would a young woman travel by herself? from all the way of Nazareth to Judea, from Galilee. And not only that, she would have had to make the trip around the Jordan. She couldn't have gone through Samaria because it was a dangerous area. You're not going to let a young woman go by herself through Samaria. All right? Jews didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like Jews. They were very hostile towards each other. Why would she do that? She has to go all the way around Samaria through the Jordan River. Who did who went with her? She couldn't have gone alone by herself without some family members attending with her. It's a very difficult trip. And not to mention, it's a difficult trip even when they have to go for the Passover or any other Jewish festival they're going to take part in. So there had to been someone with her, either Joseph or her parents and other family members. So this whole idea, this image, even when they went to, to for the census, they you know, to go to Bethlehem, people you know, this image of them walking by themselves. We see this man and this woman on the donkey and him pulling the donkey along is ridiculous. People didn't travel alone. And they might even had people hired to help them, to protect them from bandits, from being robbed. I was I just saw the film The Nativity that was filmed a few years ago. Oscar Isaac is in it. He plays Joseph. Pretty good Joseph he played. But the problem was the director added all this ridiculous landscape. Uh it was far it was ridiculous i mean she even had these people traveling around this edge of the mountain where one people their family member their donkey almost slipped and fell and i remember father mitch Paqua said those landscapes those areas were not there the 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 the, the director just put him in as fuller for some reason i mean i guess she couldn't she she couldn't figure out what to put between the voyage between Mary and Joseph, between Nazareth and, and to Bethlehem. So she put in a lot of fuller. And I think it would have been great if she focused a little bit more on scripture, on, on, on people's culture, at how they interpreted the scriptures in those days. Why these particular scriptures stood out as part of the prophecy. It, you know, she would have done that. I think it would have been great. And I guess maybe because the film had to be a certain, a certain, um, 
uh, a time. And and the interesting thing is, is that it came right after the Passion of the Christ. So, you know, you know, it, it, there wasn't too many biblical films afterward, but, um, you know, I think if she focused a little bit more. I think on the scripture part, and I think the problem is Hollywood has really a hard time with religion, which is they'll never fully understand the 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 faint, the the, um, the craze and the love that people have for the chosen. It's sad they'll never fully comprehend it. Hollywood's always had a very love hate relationship, maybe hate fear relationship when it comes to religious movies. You know, and if, and we'll see what Gibson's uh, sequel to The Passion will be. Well, hopefully, it's good. We'll see. But still, it'll never, <laughs> it'll never, um, it'll never be um, they'll never they'll never be. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, I think anything like The Passion, The Christ, and Hollywood will never fully comprehend it. I think I think it'll always be uh, a negativity towards it. We'll anyway, let's end it over here. Okay. Um, let's go to the to the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.